Welcome to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex, and today we are joined with a very special guest. Uh, we have my girlfriend, Nikki, here. Nikki is a big Shrek fan. Today we're going to be talking about Shrek 2, which is uh, po- probably the better of the two sequels, but uh, real excited to be talking about this today. Nikki, why don't you say hi to everyone? Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to talk about this film. This is probably one of my favorite animated movies, so I feel very honored to be on here. I feel like uh, I might be able to guess the answer to this, but would you say Shrek 2 is the best of the uh, Shrek series as a whole? Yeah, it it pretty much is. I mean, I love the first movie to begin with, but I have a very strong love for Shrek 2 in terms of how I think it's probably one of the best sequels ever made. Um, that's a very strong opinion. But in terms of animated films, I think DreamWorks just really knocks it out of the park. And um, I mean, I saw the movie three times in the theaters when it came out. So that's how much I love it. Um, like on three separate occasions. That is dedication. Yeah, that is very big dedication, especially in 2004 when it came out. And I've just been obsessed with it ever since. I totally get that. I think um, Shrek 2 was like the first DVD I ever bought with my own birthday money. And for whatever reason, it was like my most prized possession at the time. <laughs> yeah, I have the um, I have the VHS um, tape of Shrek and Shrek 2, but I do have a DVD. Do you have anything to play a VHS on? <laughs> uh, not... Not anymore. Um, I do have a DVD version of the Shrek 2 movie, but I mean, doesn't no one really uses them anymore. But now it's on Hulu at the moment, which is great. So you can watch it whenever. And I just love that. So this is uh, part of what makes this great is uh, this was a huge hit at the time. This movie in 2004, uh, Shrek 1 was pretty big, but it was kind of a sleeper. Like before Shrek 1, obviously, no one had heard of Shrek. But this now had name recognition. And so this actually in 2004 was the largest single-day grossing film of all time. It it pulled $44.8 million, which beat Spider-Man of 2002, which was the record, which Spider-Man was a huge movie. So I think it's crazy that Shrek 2, an animated film, actually was able to beat it out. So this was a very popular movie, and it uh, still is a very popular movie. I just think it's I think that really does live up to the hype for it because Shrek one, the way it ended was a perfect ending. And when they announced that they were doing a sequel, I think people like didn't expect that to come. But um, the way I see with Shrek is that it's one of those movies where it didn't need improvement on, but it they added onto it and it was a perfect way to continue the story. So I think that's why so many people were so excited for this movie to come out, given that the first film was so successful. Yeah. I mean, just by the numbers, um, it did almost a billion dollars at the box office is uh, 919.8 million. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, especially for 2004. To this day, that's like the the hurdle um, for any major blockbuster. I mean, that's what like Marvel movies pull in on average. So to do that back then is, I think, a huge accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, n- narratively, I feel like there are reasons that Shrek 2 works as a sequel. Um, and I, I would hazard a guess and say that there's probably less room to explore for three and four. And yes. maybe, uh, that's why those sequels aren't successful. Granted, I haven't seen them. Um, so I'll just temper my statement with that. But I, I, do, I feel like people don't talk about those sequels um, as being successful quite as much. I have seen them and they're not very good. No, they're, they're, nothing can really live up to the first two movies. I think it, it really went downhill after that. I don't think they're worth watching because it doesn't really add on to the story too much. But uh, with Shrek 2, it, um, like with Shrek 1, it, you know, it didn't have a lot. Of, it was mainly just Shrek and Donkey the entire time, like on their journey to find Princess Fiona and give her to Lord Farquaad, who was the main antagonist, but he wasn't really 
in the action for the most part. But with Shrek 2, you know, Fairy Godmother and Prince Charming, who are the main antagonists in the film, they play a bigger role in, um, you know, trying to win over the kingdom and trying to get Shrek out. (laughs) Yeah, they really expand character-wise. This is the best entry of the Shrek series by far. Uh, Just if we looked at just the numbers that they did, that it brought home. uh, And... It's one of the, like, when I think of sequels that are better than the original, this is one of the movies that comes to mind. I think one thing I took away that um, was extremely different from the first entry to the second was this had a million pop culture references. I mean, blink and you will miss the references. The honeymoon scene, which is the first five to 10 minutes of the film. I, I don't even know it's that many. I This is the references I wrote down before I got lost. Just on their honeymoon, in in the opening number of the amazing soundtrack, uh, Accidentally in Love. Great song. Uh, Great song. This is the reference that we had, Little Red Riding Hood, and then we had one I had never heard of, From Here to Eternity, and that's when they're rolling around on the beach, making out with each other. It, it transitions into Little Mermaid. We see Ariel making out with Shrek, And then Fiona throws Little Mermaid into, which is a scene straight out of Jaws. And then you have Lord of the Rings when they do their wedding rings. It's a clear Lord of the Rings reference. And then you have Spider-Man when she wipes away the mud and they kiss, making out upside down. And then you even see Tinkerbell at the hot hot tub. And these that's just all in the first five minutes of the film. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Knowing the stats now, I wonder if that Spider-Man bit is like a little bit of a, a dig at them because they, uh, they ended up beating their single day box <laughs> office numbers. It totally could have been, now that I'm thinking about it. They wouldn't have known that they were going to beat it uh, when they made yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> it's just a popular reference. But it's such an iconic reference, too. Like, it's very universally known, like the upside down Spider-Man kiss. So it was almost like inevitable for them to add that in there. Um, I, I feel like we glossed over how great of a song Accidentally in Love is. One of the best original songs of all time. <laughs> it was nominated for an Oscar, too, for Best Original Song. Oh, really? Yeah, it was nominated for two that year. Uh, best Animated Feature. But it did lose to The Incredibles, which is also a great film Ooh. in itself. Yeah, um, but that like, is good. Uh, if it wasn't The Incredibles that came out that year, I, Shrek 2 could have definitely won. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty rare um, for animated movies to have original songs that are not in the vein of like a Disney princess ballad type thing. Whereas Accidentally in Love was like a radio hit. Like it was a chart topper uh, and deservedly so. It was. And it was super popular. I didn't know it was an original song for the film. That's blowing my mind. Yeah. And it really, I mean, they touch on it perfectly because that's really how Shrek and Fiona, like they accidentally fell in love. Like that was, that was their love story. And it just really sums up perfectly um, for to have it played during like their honeymoon scene. Yeah. It is cute. Yeah. So uh, Shrek 2 opens with a, a, a really great musical number, just like Shrek 1. And I think one of the very smart things they did with this movie is they hit a lot of like the the same story beats as Shrek 1. And Shrek 1 is a great movie, so it just tracks that Shrek 2 as a sequel would be just as good, if not better. Um, I think what to go off what you were saying, Evan, is the story really mirrors the first one in a really nice way. And Fiona says it at one point, but the first one was all about Fiona accepting this big change in her life, being okay with herself and who she's in love with. And this one was really about like, what is Shrek willing to do for, for love? And, you know, he's very stubborn, grouchy ogre. That was one thing that kind of bugged me in the beginning is I was like, Shrek, all that character development you had in the first movie is gone right after your honeymoon. (laughs) He's like mad at donkey again. And so, but I I get why they did it for the story is he's got to start off as the grouchy old ogre and uh, then, you know, become the soft, it's the onion analogy. He becomes the soft gooey, you know, romantic lead. Um, But it starts off just plot wise with them having to go to the kingdom of far, far away, which I think is hilarious that they turn into a real location. Like that's a pretty understated joke. Like in every fairy tale, it's always in a land far, far away. And that's just is a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
One thing I do want to note, like right in the beginning of the film when it shows Prince Charming on his way to rescue Princess Fiona, but little does he know that she's not even there anymore and he's too late, was the scene when he walks into the oh, castle. That's so and he's, funny. Yeah, he's talking to himself and in slow motion it has him like like blowing away his hair. Um, I just remember in the theaters when that happened, everybody lost it at that part. Like they think that part was really funny. <laughs> He kind of looks like um, Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. <laughs> he really does. Oh, my God. If if there's ever a live action remake, he'd be spot on. Oh, my God. It looks identical. There's also this really small throwaway joke where when Prince Charming gets up to the tower, he lifts the veil and sees the big bad wolf laying there. And the wolf is reading Pork Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, which oh, it's just. <laughs> I know. I saw that part too. Such a small thing. There's there's so many oh, references. So many references. You have to watch the movie multiple times to eventually get it, um, or like read up about it online, and then it kind of like comes to you. Or maybe like some of these references went over your head as a kid, and then as an adult, you see it differently, and it's like, oh wow, that's funny. <laughs> Pork Illustrated. Um, when we cut to far, far away, the kingdom, this is where we get the use of funky town, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They use funky town. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one of the things I really appreciate about the Shrek movies is that they will use these very recognizable, hugely popular songs, but it's never distracting. It won't pull you out of the story. Um, and, And Shrek one does even does a great job at it. They both have these really iconic soundtracks, uh, but it's never distracting in the moment. I always think of Shrek 2 when I hear Funky Town. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great song and it really fits in well with that scene. But when they're walking through the town, um, if you notice, all the stores are very in, in the universe. You know, like they have, for example, um, Abercrombie and Witch instead of Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> I did not notice that. Yep or Burger Prince on spoof of Burger King, um, <laughs> uh, Baskin Robin Hood, Gap Queen. I totally um, missed all this. Old Neighbory. <laughs> you know, they have all those references to stores. That I guess, we're, I mean, I don't think Old Navy is as popular as it was, but back then it was super big and Farbucks Coffee, like far, far away. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. I love the aesthetic of Far, Far Away. It, uh, it just reminds me of celebrity mansions in Hollywood, but it's with all of these princesses and like Disney characters. Like you see Rapunzel's house and Cinderella's. It's really funny because they're all just really throw away blink and you'll miss some gags, but someone put a lot of uh, thought into these. And I really appreciate when someone puts a lot of thought into tiny jokes. I'll have to go back and watch that because it sounds very uh, Bob's Burger esque, which I which I love. (laughs) You know, they have all those little storefronts and uh, with the clever puns. Yeah, I mean, like, Far, Far Away in itself is basically just a whole spoof of Hollywood and L.A. Like, it has the Far, Far Away sign in the mountains, like the Hollywood sign, um, that little spoof. But it says Far, Far Away. Mm -hmm. And so when we get too far, far away, we uh, meet Fiona's parents the first time, the king and queen. Uh, The king, I I forget his name, but he's voiced by John Cleese. Um, And then the queen. King Harold. Yes. Uh, uh, And then the queen is voiced by Julie Andrews, who pretty much is royalty herself. Like, these are some really heavy hitters. (laughs) I know. It's insane. I mean, yeah, spot on casting because she was the queen in The Princess Diaries. And um, I I don't know much about John Cleese, but they do have a lot of pretty famous um, UK actors in this film, like with Fairy Godmother, who is Jennifer Saunders. I know she's really big in the UK. Um, The guy who plays... uh, Prince Charming, um, Rupert Everett, I think is his name. Uh, so the casting was really well done in this film. Yeah, John Cleese is uh, probably most well known for the Monty Python films. Yes, yeah, Monty Python, and then my boy Antonio Banderas. Perfect to have Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots because that's really just like a spoof on Zorro, and, and that's he is Puss Zorro. And- I know it's so funny. Absolutely perfect. They got him for that. I feel like this was like the height of his career. Uh, I mean, he had recently done the Spy Kids films. He was doing <laughs> Shrek. He got his own spinoff. Yeah. Um, I feel like I haven't seen him in as uh, many like big mainstream movies since. He was in a really good movie a couple years ago where he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, the movie, it's a Spanish speaking film, but it's called Pain and Glory. Highly recommend if you ever want to see him in a more dramatic role. Ooh. Okay. 
So when we get to far, far away, I love, I'm like, I don't know why I love the scene of when they first get out of the car and everyone was like cheering and so excited that princess Fiona's back. And then when she steps out, they see it's, it's two ogres and a donkey (laughs) and the scene of where they're slowly walking towards each other and they cut the camera off and they'll have the other two finish each other's sentences. Oh, I know that whole scene (laughs) is just really, it's really fun. It's really cool from like, a director standpoint, how they did that. I don't even know. I really like it. I've noticed almost every scene has like a tempo and like a beat to it. And it's, it's kind of fun when you notice scene by scene, it's really cool. And it's just an interesting scene. It's a good introduction to the King and queen. And it's a good introduction to them not being okay with Fiona being an ogre at all. Well, I, you also glossed over the fact that when they come out of the onion and everyone is silent and then you hear a baby crying in the crowd <laughs> like, yeah. during all of that. And then a bird um, flies into the castle because it was so distracted at seeing the ogres and falls right in between Harold and Lillian. But there's too shocked to even notice. <laughs> um, Alex, I like what you said. That bit where they're they're trading off dialogue between the king and the queen and, and Trek and Fiona as they're approaching each other. There is such a strong tempo um, to that bit. And it's not even like super clever or super funny. It's just really solid, solid writing for a family movie that I don't, you know, it's not a requirement. They could have done without it, but it just plays it up beautifully, builds that tension and kind of the awkwardness of the situation. I, uh, I'm also just looking over the Wikipedia um, of the voice cast. And the barkeep at that tavern uh, is voiced by Larry King. The ugly steps. Yeah, that's Larry King. <laughs> Amazing. I, I caught it this time. I actually heard it and I had to look it up because I was like, is that Larry King? <laughs> they did not have to go as hard as they did with uh, all the cameos and all the A-list uh, voice casting. <laughs> it's a kid's movie. But they did it in spades. Yeah. We don't. Or how about like Joan Rivers kind of plays herself as a parody of herself. Like she plays as like a parody of herself during the red carpet scene. And um, in, I mean, I don't know if you guys seen the special features part, mm-hmm. but they have like a far, far away idol. Because yeah. This was when American Idol was in its peak. I've seen And it. on the DVD, they have like a Simon Cowell be a parody of himself too. Like they animated him and everything. It's so funny. It's it's top notch. I was going to save the DVD extras for later, but yeah, <laughs> they didn't have to go this hard at all. It's great though. No, they did not. I'm glad they did because it, it made a movie that is withstanding the test of time. Like we're talking about it now. Yeah, and there is a, a like a noticeable improvement in animation quality oh. from Shrek 1. Shrek 1 still looks pretty dated, um, but Shrek 2, I feel like you could put that out now and it's pretty comparable with what's out there. Better than some things. I know at the time when they animated Puss in Boots, that was a very huge advancement since the first movie. I mean, like the cat with all the fur on mm-hmm. him. So I know he is very well known for being a big animated aspect of the film that, in- that improves from the first one. Mm-hmm. Definitely a-, a great character addition all around. Um, back to the dinner scene, which uh, another one of these moments where the writing and like the, the, the tempo is just really strong. There's a, like a beat to it and you can feel the tension in the room. Great scene. Um, I, I didn't realize this, but it's actually uh, when they're eating the food, Some it, it's, a, it's a reference to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I just read that online. I didn't actually know that. But a reference I did catch was when they the dad was like, and so if you guys have babies, they'll be and Shrek's like ogres. And the mother goes, not that there's anything wrong with that. And that's a it's Seinfeld, a Seinfeld reference. reference. Yep. <laughs> that really yep. blew my mind. <laughs> I watched yep. Seinfeld so much growing up, so I immediately caught that. There's so many references that are in the scene alone. I mean, the comedic timing again is perfect. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to touch on, this is like a little small detail, but after the dinner scene or like after Fairy Godmother makes her first appearance, we can get back to that. But when Shrek is kind of restless and they're sleeping in Fiona's room and he can't sleep, he's like thinking about the night and feels bad because they had just fought. 
um, he looks up at the canopy at, on Fiona's bed and there's a, like a poster of what, like a celebrity who, and his name is Sir Justin. That's a direct reference to Justin Timberlake. And oh, it's 100%. hilarious because at the time of this movie, Cameron Diaz and Justin Timberlake were dating. Oh, I forgot they were dating. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So, so like, I think that is a, that definitely was put in there on purpose. Um, we can, let's introduce fairy godmother though. Cause she's a huge character throughout the whole, uh, movie. And she really comes into play right after dinner when we get a song number from her, which is a great introduction to any character. I feel like in a comedy when they sing a song and it, uh, you know, and it's pretty, it, it was, it's a funny song though. It like picks up pace and, uh, I can't think of the specifics of the song, but I remember I was laughing during it. She was listing off a lot of funny things. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, a spoof of um, Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Be Our Guest vibes within it. And it's, I mean, it's an original song, um, of course. And it just kind of is her introduction of who she is and what she does and what she'll do for you. It feels a little bit like a dig at Disney. I think all of Shrek is a dig at Disney. Yep. I love that dance move they do where they're like shuffling arms and legs. I know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But then you, you immediately see after that scene, though, is that was when um, uh, the king and queen are having their little debrief conversation. And you immediately see that fairy godmother is not who she says she is. Yeah, she's the uh, big bad of the movie. She's like a godfather. She's like a mobster. <laughs> <laughs> that was the comparison I got as an adult. That's an apt comparison. Yeah. Or then you then you also see that Prince Charming is her son. And they have a very, uh, like, Prince Joffrey and Cersei Lannister dynamic between the two of them, where you have this very uh, conniving uh, maternal figure and a bratty prince. Oh, yeah. I can totally see that. He is totally a bratty son. He he loses any cool points that he had from the opening in this scene where uh, they take the king off in the carriage. He's, like, totally just the bratty son. I I do think it's funny that there was, like— supposed to be a fairy tale typical ending with prince charming like that that was all set up and shrek just kind of came in and and ruined the whole thing like oh he was too late and there was she was like what do you mean he was too late yeah, a lot of uh shrek plot line is driven by just like poor timing and communication i know it's so funny like basically the main conflicts for both shreks one and two are premised on like just poor communication between Shrek and Fiona primarily. <laughs> let's be adults here. Yeah, let's be adults. Oh, man. Um, that's where we get the plot of Fairy Godmother uh, wants Prince Charming to be king. So she's like, you need to take care of Shrek to the king. And while that's going on, Shrek is like tossing and turning in Fiona's old childhood room, which I think it's hilarious that it's, they're in like a big fancy kingdom, but her room is literally like a child's room still. And it's just to symbolize like going home and seeing your parents or your in-laws as an adult, I'm sure. And he's just like seeing all of what she wished for when she was a kid about marrying Prince Charming. And and he's just he's not feeling good enough for her anymore. And um, I don't know. That's like a relatable feeling. So it it was it, they don't you say it in words. They just do it in facial expressions and and show you in little tidbits of memories around her room. It, it's strong writing for for uh, an animated movie in 2004. It is. Yeah, well, actually, there was in that whole little sequence when he's uh, um, like looking around her room and he's uh, like he sees the little toys where um, it was the knight in shining armor and the, he like knocked over the ogre who is supposed to be the enemy. And then it has Fiona who says, I would like to offer you my handkerchief as which like, is what she a said. token of my appreciation, which is what she said in the first film. But he completely ignored her in, when she said that in the first film. Um. I love the bit where he's like flipping through her diary and it like he he sees one page that says Prince Charming and then the next 10 pages all say Prince Charming. <laughs> I feel like that's such a middle school thing of like, oh, they touched my hand at recess uh, and now we're going to so, get married. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Fiona Charming. Plot wise. So plot wise, Shrek is feeling like a major ass in front of Fiona's family. 
and he's realizing, oh man, like I, I love Fiona. I, what if I'm not good enough for her? So her dad comes to the door and is like, hey, let's go on a hunt tomorrow. Like, oh, call me dad, son. And he's like, oh shit, like maybe this is, uh, maybe this is the chance I need to win over her parents. It's kind of funny because like, 30 minutes ago, Shrek wouldn't have given an F what her dad thought. But in this moment, he's like at a low and he's like, dang, I need to win over her dad. And, um, uh, oh, before this, he had hired Puss in Boots. Like, I think it's so funny that Puss in Boots is just a paid for hire assassin. That's literally all he (laughs) is, is he's hired to kill Shrek to off him. (laughs) And, uh, but he's like cute and adorable and, and insanely funny also. And he's just a cat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Shrek is pretty quick to to forgive King Harold at the end of the movie, considering he hired someone, a, a paid assassin to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's not a good look, King, King Harold. That's, that's not great. But then him and Donkey go, go like meet King Harold on the hunt and then they get lost in the woods and of course there's a lot of other jokes that are added on because Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers together are just the best team in terms of their comedy and mm-hmm. their timing and what things that were happening and then Puss comes out of nowhere and he adds to that little trio. He does add to that trio. He's a great addition. It, it's hard to add a new member to the group but it, they do it flawlessly. And so the three of them make their way uh, further into the forest and they get to uh, the fairy godmother's factory where she makes all of her potions and spells. After they win over Puss in Boots. I love that they just befriend him. Yeah. Yeah, like it's pretty much a spoof of um, like fairy godmother's cottage like it is in fairy tales. Um, Or how about when they try to get Donkey to cry so that she can answer their call because Shrek had the business card from her and it was her voicemail which it's like an old was, person was voicemail funny and it showed like oh i'm just at my little cottage and it ends up being like this big factory <laughs> yeah, i love that it's also just like spilling pollutants into the environment <laughs> she's polluting yeah there was a tweet that went viral the other day um and i sent alex this but immediately when they go into the cottage and they speak to the receptionist they, you know, they're like, we're from the union <laughs> and they start talking to the receptionist and he's like, yeah. turns the microphone away and is like, you know, we don't even have dental. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, that's a very funny jokes. scene, which you don't understand as a kid, but then you watch as an adult and it's like, that's hilarious. That's so funny. I wonder what the uh, like Venn diagram of kids who watch <laughs> Shrek 2 and, no. and uh, vocal anti-capitalists no. there are now because fuck corporations. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> A worker's rights. <laughs> the way Shrek says it too, he goes, are you feeling degraded or oppressed at all? And the dude instantly is like, ah. I mean, we don't even like he's like, yes, very much so. Yeah, well, and, well, that was also the moment when she pings him on the microphone and is like, where's my Monte Cristo? I want my Monte Cristo now. And he groans and is like, oh, yes, fairy godmother right away, right ahead. Yes, fairy godmother. <laughs> it's, it's pretty classic. That's a pretty good impression, Alex. <laughs> Thanks. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. It's really cute when Shrek uh, like steals one of the Munchkin's uniforms and uh, it puts it on his head, but obviously he's got a giant fucking head, so like it doesn't uniforms. disguise anything. <laughs> he's just wearing, oh, yeah, but he puts it on his like ogre ears too, <laughs> like the gloves, I think. And then Donkey and Puss are like hiding inside of a like a um, little carriage. He's very cramped in there, and then he pulls them out when they get into a room alone and. Forever shows that um, Donkey and Puss are still at their face where they don't really get along. Yeah, I was just about to say, I love the bickering between the two of them. It's actually like really funny. Mm-hmm. Donkey at one point's like, hey, we already have one magical talking animal on this team or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, I don't know why. It's so funny to me when they reference like group dynamics like that. <laughs> yeah, they they really play it up the um dynamic of like a best friend being really territorial about their friendship where like Puss in Boots is like That's laughing so hysterically at all of Shrek's jokes <laughs> and stuff and cracking jokes at Donkey's expense. He's the odd one out uh, of the trio. It's so funny. 
It is funny because it's really relatable. That's why it is <laughs> There's always- very relatable. But then it's, it's we've all been there. It's still funny because Donkey is still Donkey in that moment because when they're in the room looking for a potion to try to fix the whole ordeal and Donkey's told to keep watch and then of course <laughs> he leaves the door wide open. Uh-huh. And then Puss in Boots has to like do the like Mission Impossible, cut the circle and the glass and extract the potion. <laughs> Um, for whatever reason, I like as a kid, I thought Puss in Boots was like the coolest character. Just he's like the suave, swashbuckling hero. It, I don't know. It really captured my imagination for one reason or another. <laughs> as a kid, yeah, he's like I, I don't know, one of the best characters introduced to a franchise in a sequel. <laughs> Love it. I remember um, when we first meet Puss in Boots and he's trying to win over Shrek and then he does those little kitten eyes and it's like a close up of his face. I just remember being in the theaters and <laughs> the whole audience audibly, mm-hmm. aww, like in that moment because he's like looking all cute uh-huh. and then he starts purring to Shrek, like warming up to him while trying to win over his affection. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty popular gif too now. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never had any cats of my own, but are either of you two uh, cat people? Yeah, I like yes, cats. I very much am. Huge cat person here. <laughs> I've only ever lived with someone who had a cat, and the cat and I did not get along. Uh, it depends on the owner and their personality. But um, Aladdin also lived in a fraternity house where people would come in very, very not sober and want to play with Aladdin. <laughs> that's that's true. Maybe it wasn't his. Maybe he was a product of his surroundings. Maybe it wasn't Aladdin's fault. That's the cat's name. Yes, um, Aladdin was his name, and he's no longer with us. R.I.P. Okay, so this is the point where they do. They're like looking for a secret potion, and they do find the one called Happily Ever After. Which, um, you know, if I was in any sort of fairy tale adjacent story, that would 100% be the one I grab. And um, I don't know why it's a minor detail to me, but Puss does the classic. He like sticks his thing in and cuts the circle out of the glass. And for some reason, the bottle's just too big and it's uh, it drives me nuts. (laughs) And that's a good uh, point about the animation is you could just you can almost tell as he grabs the bottle. You're like, oh, my God, it's not going to fit. And then it doesn't. The suspense. (laughs) So happily ever after. Does someone want to explain happily ever after? Yeah. So I think, you know, you drink it and it will bring you back to your true form or beauty divine. Um, So it will only work with your other true love, which Shrek knows is Fiona. And, um, but like you have to kiss by midnight and then you will be together forever in whatever form you're in. Uh, But like, they don't know that Shrek is eventually going to become a human and that Fiona is going to go back to her human form as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, how do we feel about Shrek's human transformation? Ooh. It, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I think the animators did. Like, ooh, la, from, la. Coming from a woman's perspective, I think I think the animators did a really good um, transformation of from Shrek to human. Like, really showing, like, oh, this is what he looks like as a human. And, yeah, he's, like, he's pretty cute. Ass. And it's like, oh, <laughs> whoa, this is, it's different. Uh-huh. But then everybody else is very attracted to him, too. I mean, there's those two random ladies in the shed who I don't know where they came from, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they're obsessed with him. That's and then, the first thing they show. Yeah. When he wakes up. Women thirsting over him. Mm-hmm. And then Donkey becomes a white stallion. <laughs> um, towards the end of the movie, uh, when human Shrek and Fiona are about to kiss, um, there's like it's like a side profile of their them kind of talking to each other because they're debating if they should. But uh, I, I, my one note I took down is like, his head is still fucking huge. <laughs> it's like yeah. twice <laughs> the size of Fiona's. He's got a yeah. massive <laughs> noggin. Uh, that's pretty classic. Yes, that just made me laugh. But yeah, it's a pretty faithful translation of what Shrek would look like as a human. Yeah. Donkey turns into this white stallion. Shrek turns into this beautiful man. And it does affect your one true love also. So it does affect Fiona. She becomes the princess again in her human form. And I, they never address it. I want to know what does dragon become? Donkey's one true love. Wow. Ooh, think about that. That had never occurred to me. You don't really think about that. 
because she's not really in she's not really in the film except one minor the very cameo end. at the end. Mm-hmm. But she's mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dragon would just. I don't think Dragon would change much. She's like, she's already the apex predator. You think Dragon's perfect? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but then they're riding through town um, and it's a fail. Like, what what song was it? It's Changes by David Bowie, which is David Bowie's song song. Mm -hmm. for this scene. It has a David Bowie song on the soundtrack. What the hell? Yeah, changes. Um, But it's a really perfect song for that scene mm-hmm. it's a small thing but there is that moment he passes like the dudes with the the pitchforks and they all smile and, and they, all, <laughs> they they just smile back at him and it's like, oh, shrek has never experienced that in his life that's kind of cute nope he hasn't yeah and, and he i think he's a little apprehensive about it everyone just smiles and waves at him and he's just kind of like nervously waving back like oh hello oh very yeah, and then, then he kind of becomes used to it. And then Donkey, like, rides away and they go towards the castle. And he's like, tell Fiona her husband, Sir Shrek, is here. Because being all confident in his new body. Mm-hmm. And this is where we have that moment where they just miss each other. Shrek goes up one stairway. Then she comes out down the main hall. And they just pass by each other. And then, um, which... I don't know. So she, Fiona does go talk to Donkey and he's like, oh, Shrek just went in there looking for you. I feel like he could have mentioned like, oh, he probably looks a little <laughs> different. Yeah. Or maybe wait right here. He'll probably come back. Like He's got brown yeah. hair, um, not blonde. Yeah. yeah. But I love that one part when she goes meets Donkey out and she's she doesn't recognize that the, the stallion is Donkey. And she's like, Donkey? And he's like, Fiona. Like, look at us. We're sexy. <laughs> that part was pretty funny in the theater. That is a classic And then she, part. for a split second, thinks mm. that, she, yeah, for a split second, she thinks that Puss is, is Shrek because he's sitting on Donkey at that moment. And she's like, Shrek. <laughs> and he's like licking himself. And he's like, for you, baby, I could be. <laughs> it's pretty classic. That's a classic line. Um, so Shrek does, he goes up to their, their room uh, and he sees you know, what appears to be um, Fiona's figure standing by the window, but it's really very godmother. godmother. Uh, And she traps him in the room. And so this is kind of the beginning of the third act. And and this goes to like the, the mirroring I mentioned, but like the third act of both Shrek one and two is like him observing Fiona through a window with another man. Oh, I don't know why it, it is. It just mirrors it so well. It's a great it. motif to notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that's why the, the movie works because Shrek one had great story beats. So, you know, they just kind of flip it on its head. Yeah. And, um, but like when charming convinces Fiona and Lillian and Harold that he's Shrek, even though his voice is obviously different. And, and- I mean, in her defense, she is a little apprehensive at first. Like she's not totally convinced, which good on her. Yeah. Because she notices all the small differences. Well, his accent is gone. He <laughs> loses his accent completely. Yeah. I mean, for uh, if I were plotting to become the king of a kingdom by, like, replacing someone's husband, I feel like I'd take the time to, to learn a, a bad Scottish accent or, like, you know, perfect my Scottish 100%. accent. 100%. Although, I, 100%. I don't know. Had, had Prince Charming and Shrek crossed paths? I don't know if they, they oh, had Oh, yeah. Met, I don't think they have met at that point. Mm, good point. Yeah, I, don't I don't think they did. That. He, he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. No, very good point. Good point. Good point. Um, And so I also think it's pretty uh, – w- we skipped over it, but this plan Fairy Godmother cooked up of, like, oh, I know what Happily mm-hmm. Ever After does – we can use this opportunity to make you the king charming. And I was like, Ooh, that's a, I was like, I don't, you know, you're the bad guys of the film, but that's pretty strategic. Good on you. Good plan. Good plan. Good thinking. Pretty strategic thinking right there that she has. Cause like it wasn't the initial plan, but then she's like, Oh, mm-hmm. we're going to rework this. Give her props. Here's there. the new plan. Yeah. Good props to her. So while she's talking to Shrek, keeping him, you know, trapped in the room. She's playing on his insecurities and she's like, look at how happy she could be. Like, you know, her, her parents approve of this new guy or whatever. I don't remember exactly what she says, but really playing up his insecurities and convinces him to leave. He said, you know, if you really truly love her, like this is the life that she wants or, 
And Shrek starts to believe that because of his own insecurities and, you know, looking through her diary and the approval of uh, her parents. And so he leaves, which is uh, Shrek is just a stubborn bastard. Like what? Yeah, he is. You just got married. You just got off your honeymoon and you're going to be talked out of your, your, like you got into one fight. (laughs) Yeah. There's one fight. You met her parents one time and like, you still love her. You know that she loves you. Like, Oh, he is very stubborn, very heartbreaking, stubborn. But, uh, so he leaves, he lets it get to him and he leaves and they go back to that tavern we were at before. Um, and there's one really funny line where they're all like ordering drinks at the bar. <laughs> I got another reference. I hate to just be the reference guy. Puss just goes, I hate Mondays. <laughs> like he's Garfield because he's an orange cat. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's so dumb. but so funny. I literally had to pause it. The moment I was like, wait. Is that a Garfield? Yeah. Like, is that a Garfield reference? I googled it and like, yeah. God damn. These references come by so quick. You gotta. You're gonna miss them. Yeah, it would be so easy to miss that. Mm-hmm. Like, God damn. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, and then the um, Doris, the ugly stepsister, <laughs> as the bartender, kind of cheers them up, doing what bartenders do, and Larry then kind of yeah, kind of convinces him like, oh, you should go get her. Mm-hmm. And then, well, he also, so he has that conversation with the the barkeep and then he also uh, eavesdrops uh, like on um, the fairy godmother talking to Harold. Um, I think it's so funny. The king doesn't know what new Shrek looks like. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of gives him instructions to like make uh, Fiona fall in love with Charming because she's still pretty skeptical. So he gives her a new potion, which will make her fall in love with the first man that she kisses, which, you know, if all goes according to plan, is going to be Prince Charming. And then so Shrek does hear this and puts it all together that all these people are plotting against his relationship. So that's when he kicks it into high gear. He's like, oh, I'm going to go win back my one. Yeah, but then Donkey being Donkey, of course, is loud and loud um, donkey. The, the chase happens and they get arrested. Oh, I totally forgot about that beat. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> Shrek's swamp friends yeah. are watching TV. Uh, I, I love that they're just like house sitting for him while they're gone. And they're watching it on TV. It's like a spoof of cops, but it's called Nights. It's so great. It's so Nights. Funny. Yeah. When they arrest Puss, they arrest him on possession of having catnip uh-huh. <laughs> on, on him because they like find the little baggie in his pocket. I think it's really funny when Puss goes, uh, that's not mine. Because there's no that's, way you'd understand that good. as a kid, what he's talking about. Yep. Oh, that's not mine. (laughs) And then, like, Donkey is yelling, police brutality, police brutality. Ahead of its time. Yeah. The police. Oh, my God. When uh, Donkey's yelling police brutality, it's like, oh, man, that is dark. And I don't think that joke would fly. (laughs) That would probably be on the cutting room floor uh, these days. I agree. Maybe Shrek 2 was, like, the origin story for a whole, like, woke generation. Yeah. It could it could have yeah. been. Yeah. I mean, Shrek itself is a little bit of an analogy for racism. You know, people treat him poorly based yeah. on how he looks. So, I mean, the whole film has underlying tones like that if you if you think mm-hmm. about it. It makes me wonder um like we were we were kids when the film came out, but like if I was an adult and that film came out, like what would I think about it even in 2004? It definitely makes me appreciate it all the more. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I agree. I, I love the jailbreak scene. When I was just about to say that, I was going to say the same thing. Go ahead, you <laughs> can say it. Okay, I love the the jailbreak scene. So all the house sitters, which is uh, Gingy, Pinocchio, um, Pinocchio, the three blind mice, and the three little pigs, go to rescue their friends. Oh, and the wolf, and the wolf, and the wolf. Right. Um, it's like a Mission Impossible parody, and then you know they drop down P- Pinocchio, and, then, and the music and everything. <laughs> so many references. Uh, they got the key, but they need to get across like the the chamber to be able to unlock them. And they're like, "Quick, Pinocchio, tell a lie. <laughs> Just say you're wearing ladies' underpants." And then Gingy's like, "It's a song." He says it so reluctantly. 
<laughs> Pinocchio says it so reluctantly, though. He goes, uh, I'm wearing ladies' underpants. And he, like, closes his eyes because uh, he knows. <laughs> he just shouldn't have said it. Like, uh, hoping the nose would still go. And nothing <laughs> happens, yeah. Yeah, but then they're all like, are you? And he's like, I most certainly am not. Talkie says, you most certainly am is. It's <laughs> so funny. This leads to... One of my f- most favorite scenes, actually my favorite scene in the entire film, like the climax of this entire mm-hmm. plight for Shrek and Donkey and all the whole gang to stop Fiona from kissing Charming is the whole holding out for a hero number sung by Fairy Godmother, which is the most iconic musical number in any animated film. Like I... um like when I was in college, I actually had like a little film blog that I would write on the side here and there. And I originally was going to write a post about why Shrek 2 is the greatest animated film of all time um, or greatest sequel. But then mm-hmm. it ended up just being mostly about that one scene. And so I just wrote about just that one scene and why that one scene is like almost as good as the entire film of The Prince of Egypt. Like DreamWorks is genius for um, coming up with that scene because uh-huh. I, as a kid, I originally thought that holding out for a hero was an original song for the film. I did not know that it was already, it was a cover. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in Footloose originally yeah. sung by um, another artist. And then she sings it so well, like such a great cover in this it film. Just and fits it's like so perfectly for the it moment. It does. It fits so perfectly. And like for a split second in that moment, it's like, oh my God, like the villain is a queen. She's an icon. Put it in C minor. C minor. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the like the high octane action piece of it, which is Shrek uh and his friends trying to break in, but then it's also juxtaposed against um this like re- really high stakes moment, but not like visual visually super exciting thing of like Fiona um, with charming. I don't, I just like that juxtaposition. It's like they're two opposite ends of the spectrum action wise, but like the, the both stakes equally you feel like is in important. Both situations, like the tension is so high in that. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. It's really great. Mm-hmm. When Mongo is created by the ginger ma- the gingerbread man on Jury Lane, when they it's um, Shrek has the idea, saying we need flour, lots and lots of flour. That's a Star Trek reference. I I'm just now getting is it. it really? oh. He says oh, we're gonna need a lot of flour. There's a Star Trek line. He's like we're gonna need a lot of power, or he's like we're gonna need power, a whole lot of power. I just caught that. I I'm not a big Star Ooh. Trek fan by any means. But that's 100% a Star Trek reference. I love that it, it's a little bit of a callback to Shrek 1. Like, it works in a couple of ways. It's callback to Shrek 1, uh, Jinji's p- pivotal scene with Farquaad. And then um, I love to, it's like, it's kind of like a play on like a, a heist movie. It's like, do you still, yeah. still know that guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, the one I do. Yeah, I don't know. I think it works in a couple of ways. The Mongo scene is. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's genius. And he only lasts in it. He's only in the movie for a couple minutes during that uh, musical number. I and love the part where they're like, we need more foam. More heat, less foam. Ah! <laughs> oh. oh, and then also there's a classic Starbucks where Mongo takes the giant coffee cup off of Farbucks and they run out of that one across the street into another Farbucks, which is like so very stereotypical of Starbucks. Very true to this day too. Yeah. I thought that was a classic commentary. I just think the whole thing's great. Like you were saying two different scenes, one very action packed. One's just the two of them dancing. The stakes are high. They both feel equally as important. And it's just slowly, they're slowly converging into one story. And uh, for an animated movie where, you know, you just, you're like, oh my God, this is pretty action packed right now. My heart rate's getting up a little. It it does increase the suspense in your heart rate because you're kind of like sitting on your edge, the edge of your seat, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Because if Charming kisses Fiona, it's game over. And he does almost a couple times. Mm-hmm. I love all the differences Fiona calls out in Shrek before, though. Like, he's wearing lip gloss. He's, like, waving to all the audience. He's like, I'm just yeah. playing the part. Like, it's very clearly not Shrek. And she's so sus. Yeah. Even with Fairy Godmother's whole performance of holding out for heroes, she has the backup vocals, like, the chorus behind her. Um, sing- like, they just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's amazing. And it kind of, like 
almost brings chills to your arm of how amazing like the whole choir cover is. Yeah. Um, I think we skipped over the the whole red carpet bit prior to this huge musical number mm. um, where we do have Joan Rivers playing a version of herself. Hilarious. Um, and there's just a couple great throwaway jokes. They're so brief. Uh, there's like Thumbelina getting swept up into the, to the dustpan. Sleeping Beauty. Cinderella. Like fall, or like Sleeping Beauty. Falling yeah. onto the red carpet because she was sleeping in the car. She's just asleep. <laughs> There's a the Hansel and Gretel. They're dropping breadcrumbs. It's and then they're sweeping mm-hmm. it up, and then Thumbelina, like like you said, gets swept up by the by the broom and the mm-hmm. dustbin. Yeah, I feel like the humor holds up as an adult. Like mm-hmm. I still find it funny yeah. now, probably more so than I did before. Like I don't know. I don't know that we still have really smart not that it's super smart or anything it's but clever like, it's really clever it's clever it is in its, it's references funny. it is yeah it's not funny for a kid's movie it is yeah. just funny yeah, yeah it's a funny movie in general and it holds up well even after all of these years like it's a film i can rewatch whenever i want and i know a lot of other people maybe not all but a lot of other people can relate that it's a good a funny movie to watch a feel-good movie and it's still a family film mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Um, so Prince Charming does manage to kiss uh, Fiona. Oh, and I was shook. I think I audibly probably said no, like in the theater <laughs> during this moment, because in this moment you 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 believe that Fiona drank the tea that Harold put the love potion mm-hmm. in. And that's the like, so Shrek bursts in. He had just gotten onto the scene, gotten past all the security. Uh, and so knowing that the jig is up, Prince Charming just kind of like grabs Fiona's face and kisses her to make the potion go into effect. Nope. No consent. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true. Yes. Consent uh, is a must. Um, but, you know, Harold kind of has his redemption moment where they let that like uneasiness sit with the audience. And like we're seeing you know, Fiona touches Prince Charming's face. Yeah, she hits him. She headbutts him. him yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed Harold had uh, drank the love potion himself. I'm like, okay, good, good, solid yeah. dad move. I haven't liked you throughout this whole movie, but uh, I mean, you still tried to kill Shrek, but like, okay, we're on a better foot now. I mean, he sacrificed himself because when Fairy mm-hmm. Godmother tries to kill Shrek, like with her wand, he blocks it off with his armor where it eventually hits her and then she's disintegrated. Mm-hmm. Like she's gone. No more um, fairy godmother. But then he is turned back into a frog, which as we know from earlier was a foreshadow that that's how he met Lillian because they were what the princess and the frog. Mm-hmm. It's a classic fairy tale reference that you just, it's like they throw it as a twist ending. Yeah. Yeah. I, that makes me wonder if the Queen Lillian, if that's supposed to be like a little hint to like to the lily pond and the frog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it probably is a reference to that. Actually, there was, I just remembered this. So there was a one little tiny moment when King Harold is at the poison apple initially to talk to Puss. There's this frog that's sitting on a bar stool with a martini with like big red lips. And she looks up at him and says, do I know you? (laughs) He goes, no, no. That's funny. I totally missed that. It's really good. Small details. I love small details. It happens very quick. Yeah, like right before he talks to Doris. Um, so, yeah, after, so she beats up Prince Charming, and then Shrek and Fiona have fi- finally get to talk to each other after, like, basically the second half of the movie, they haven't spoken a word to each other. Um, and he's like, "If is this the life that you want? Because if we kiss right now, you know, we can stay this way and be beautiful, sexy human beings forever. <laughs> um, and it's it's cute. She goes, no, I, you know, I fell in love with an ogre. And so they don't kiss. It's cute. It's the really clock cute. The ticks midnight and they revert to their ogre forms. Along um, with Donkey, going back to a donkey. Mm-hmm, along with Donkey. And he's pissed. I feel like as a kid, I was like, you guys probably should have just stayed human. <laughs> I I, that's what I was thinking too. Am I? Am I vain? I, I, I'll <laughs> be honest. I thought that too. No, that's not the point. They want the life in the swamp. Yeah. I know it's not the point. <laughs> it's not the point, you guys. Oh my god. <laughs> 
to this day, yeah, I'm still like, I don't think I'd make that choice, but <laughs> do you. <laughs> you, know? yeah, you do you. But I mean, that's the point. Like, it's, you know, she fell in love with who he was, which is an ogre, and she wants to live that life with him. And then they hug and kiss at the end. And then. And then it, we end on another amazing music number. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's a good, it's a great musical number. I, I prefer, uh, I'm a believer. I think that was the better musical oh, number. It's, wow. Living the Vita Look is still very fun. It's a great. Still slaps. Um, but I think Shrek 1 had the better musical number of the two. Interesting. What about soundtrack as a whole? If you had to compare, would you say the first movie was better or the second movie was better? Oh, that's really hard. Because there's great songs and numbers in both movies. When you think of the first movie, there's All Star. There's Hallelujah. Mm, there's um, Bad Reputation during the fight scene. It's tough, mm-hmm. but then... In the second movie, you also have Funky Town and Changes and Holding Out for a Hero, which is obviously my favorite. And then Living mm-hmm. La Vida Loca. Accidentally in Love. Accidentally in Love. Uh, I might have to go with Shrek 2 at this. Uh, yeah. I think I'd have to agree with you that Shrek 2 has the better soundtrack. I'm going to go with Shrek 1 just to be different. But on the inside, I probably agree with you guys. Shrek 2 probably has the better soundtrack. They're all good. Like, I would put them all in one playlist. Both films are, my opinion, masterpieces. I And actually, um, one thing we didn't mention in the beginning, um, Shrek 2 still remains as DreamWorks' most successful movie to date. That doesn't surprise me. It's probably the best movie they've ever made. DreamWorks in general, great animators, great storytellers. I agree. I agree. I think they do very well. Um, what would you guys say... Uh, the funniest overall part line. What do you think was the funniest part of the movie? I always laugh at the dinner scene. Mm. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's always like, that's a very funny iconic scene. No matter how many times I watch it, I always laugh. I might go with the jailbreak scene, just the Pinocchio bit makes me laugh. <laughs> as elementary as that is. I don't know. It just makes me laugh. I got you. I think for me, the funniest part we didn't talk about it is like the montage to get to far, far away. Uh, how one, it is really far, far away, but donkey the whole time is literally like, are we there yet? And then doing the whole annoying noise and just that very underrated, uh, funny intro. Yeah. That was really good. (laughs) I'm not good. That was good. Um, that whole part, I think, is just a, a great way to start it. And then probably transitioning, rolling into Far, Far Away. Just all the bits and you, looking at the town is really funny. That remind that just unlocked a memory I totally forgot I had in my brain. But when the movie first came out, like I just remember everybody saw it. It's like every kid I knew that I went to school with and people were always doing that mouth like uh-huh. thing in school yeah. all the time at the time when the movie first came out. And I just I'm sure teachers during those days were like, <laughs> oh God. Like <laughs> as impressionable ten year olds. We're just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually change my answer um to I don't know why, but when Puss in Boots says the Garfield reference when he just says, I hate Mondays. It's so, (laughs) so small, so out of left field and like so easy to gloss over. I literally, I had to pause and look at it. I was like, no, fuck. They, I, it's just astounding to me that they took the time. Like, I don't know that kids these days would get that Garfield reference because I don't know if the strip is. That's pretty classic. Yeah. Those are, it just makes me stop and think of like, oh man. man, like that was for pure craft. I, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just, it's just so good to me. Oh man. These people, you know, as much as these franchises get extended past like their shelf life, just to keep making millions and millions of dollars. Like there is an element of like people care about what the product they're creating. And it is at least strikes one and two. Uh, are like very, very good, funny movies. Um, Shrek 2 is, I think, the first movie I can recall seeing having a mid-credits scene. Oh, we didn't talk about it. It's really cute. Yeah, in the mid-credits scene, we see why Dragon was absent for the whole movie, and they kind of foreshadowed it in the beginning where he said Dragon's been moody, blah, 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 so he just wanted some space. And she shows up flying in with little 
as Donkey calls them, mutant babies. They are 100% mutant <laughs> babies. They're super cute, super mutant, half donkey, half dragon, which you'll never see anywhere else besides in the mid-credits scene of Shrek, and then obviously Shrek 3 and 4 there. They have more of a bigger presence in the third film. Um, But... Yeah, and then we can talk about it just because me and Nikki clearly have knowledge of it. I didn't know if, if you guys had ever seen it, but me and my brother Brendan had the DVD of Shrek, and we would watch the DVD extras, and there was a legit, I don't even know, probably 30 minutes worth of content called Far, Far Away Idol, where it was Shrek, Fiona, and literally Simon Cowell animated yeah. um, as Idol, idol American Idol judges, far, far away idol judges. <laughs> and they spoof, you know, Randy, Paula, and Simon is Simon. And the choices yeah. of songs, I'm going to try to see if I can remember some of them, are literally so funny, though. The three blind mice start singing, I can see, I can clearly, see now. clearly now the rain has gone. Yeah, so funny. And then <laughs> oh, um, so funny. the big bad wolf is singing, and I'm hungry like the wolf. It's just, I'm sure there's more that I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Prince Charming sings, I'm too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for... It's like each song is literally a, no, a joke <laughs> in and of itself. It is. It's very funny. I I love that scene, too. It's, it's class. I love when... Um, Animated films give us more. Like it, we didn't need that, but and the it's extras. That it's literally it. called an extra. I wonder if people bother making stuff like that anymore since DVDs aren't. I mean, I don't know. I guess Blu-rays have special features, but like, I feel like that's not the main way people consume no movies these days. It would be like a digital short, Evan, or like on their social media pages for the film. But it reminds me back in the old days of Pixar when they would animate the blooper reels of the characters oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't really do that anymore but i love when they did do that for like the old toy story movies and um, bugs life and monsters inc <laughs> all right so i think we have covered basically everything there is to cover what kind of closing thoughts do you guys have on shrek 2 let's start uh nikki what are your closing thoughts on the movie as a whole um, one of my thoughts on the movie as a whole i i love it it's i think it's quite quite frankly the best animated sequel out there and it's definitely on the list of one of the best animated films that has come out um in mm-hmm. i wouldn't say recent years but within of our generation time. within our generation <laughs> all all time um debatable but <laughs> i do i love the film i love the film i'll always find an excuse to talk about it like right now and i mean i wrote an entire essay about it i actually did write another essay about that movie for a class. You're going to have to link us to that. <laughs> I've I read it before. Send, I have to look for that essay <laughs> within my files, but I'll definitely send you my old, I'll, I'll send you the blog post. Okay. It's very, um, I was very passionate about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was in a little film club at one point and I argued with a bunch of people. I'm like, this is the best animated film of the, of the two thousands. I will. Hell yeah. Fight anybody about it. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of Pixar stands who will disagree, but I I know I'm I'm with it. It holds up. I mean, we're still talking about it all these years later Mm -hmm. and there's not. And usually a lot of especially animated sequels, it's a hit or miss for the for Mm -hmm. a lot of them. Like they're probably they're not as good as the first one. But Shrek 2 really proves that it can be just as great as the first one. Yeah, I think it's not as instantly like quotable as Shrek 1, maybe, but that's not to say it isn't just as funny. I, mm-hmm. I think it yeah. is, in most aspects, an improvement on Shrek 1. Yes. Um, I, I feel like Shrek 1, they kind of, they're maybe earning their stripes a little, and Shrek 2, they, yep. they found their footing. It's just funny throughout, the stakes are higher. Um, the stakes are just as emotional too as as mm-hmm. Shrek one, and you get to see like the how maybe it, it isn't so easy to get to happily ever after, and you get to see them struggle kind of through their relationship and insecurities. Um, it builds more on their characters and their character mm-hmm. development, adds new characters, which are amazing additions, obviously, and on top with a really great voice cast, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, soundtrack. Soundtrack, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Both great. Both movies have great soundtracks, but this one is just front to back amazing. Yeah. So I uh, I think my closing thoughts on the film, you kind of touched on it, Evan, is 
they earned their stripes with Shrek 1. Uh, I wrote down here in my notes, Shrek 1 was a hit, which means like Shrek 2, they just went all out. I feel like they already knew all eyes are going to be on this sequel. We need to ball out, guys. And they did. They really delivered. I think when I really think of sequels that are better than the original, um, I know most people don't think of animated films, but this is one of the top ones I think of. I I, I think it's definitely funnier. Like you said, maybe not as quotable, but just the, the number of references. I, I actually counted, guys. There is... One million references in this movie, oh. at least. I thought you actually so, had a legitimate number. Um, <laughs> no, I don't actually have a number. So, it, it but it literally, it's blink and you will miss a reference. And it's music, Hollywood, uh, celebrity, movie, TV. Uh, they play the Hawaii Five O at one point when they're doing the trumpets. They're like, oh yeah, dun, 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 dun. in the beginning. Who watches Hawaii Five O? Yeah. I'm telling you, the references are jammed packing, and I don't know. I love it. It always makes me laugh. It they're always makes endless. me chuckle. Endless, endless. So, um, I really enjoyed both watching and covering this movie. Um, this has been a great podcast. Thank you again for joining us, Nikki. You're, um, you're our first, um, uh, lady dude. No, sorry. The, the term is dudette. You're our first dudette to come on the podcast. So, uh, two dudes and a dudette. So thank you for, for joining us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for having me on. I really enjoyed talking about this. And if you ever need my input on anything else, I, I, I'm a big fan of Pixar films. So awesome. good awesome. to know. You ever think about that later on? <laughs> Thanks for being on. We'll uh, we'll be linking to your Shrek Two blog posts definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you right now. Great. So um, when we're when we're done That's here, great. awesome! That's great. I can't wait to read it. That'll do it for this episode of Two Dudes Watch Cartoons. Thanks for sticking around and listening. Two dudes watch cartoons.